Well, good morning, Glenn Kirk. I love that song, Create in Me a Clean Heart, that we just worshiped with. And I remember years ago when the man who wrote it, Keith Green, who had become a Christian later on in his life and was so sold out for the Lord, and he was killed in a plane crash. And yet these words of this song, this song continues to be a legacy. It's from the scripture, but continues to minister. And it's such a, a hope and a joy that death for believers is not the end, that we go on to glory, but our, our fruits live on. The legacy we have lives on. We are doing a series right now, The Life in the Spirit, and we're going to look at uh, a few verses in chapter 8, Romans chapter 8. You know, there's 66 books of the Bible, and there's just so much wealth there and truth and gems, but they kind of call chapter 8 the gem of the Scripture because it just has so much uh, meat. And so I'm going to go directly uh, to the Word now, and if you'd like or, and are able, uh, if you want to stand, uh, but please, if you feel more worshipful sitting, the Lord knows our hearts. So... Um, Hear God's word as it comes to us from Romans, the 8th chapter, starting with verse 5. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature does. But those who live accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit does. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. This is the word of the Lord. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, may the words uh, that I speak and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. May you receive all the glory and the honor forever and ever. Thank you that it's not a mistake that any one of us are here. May you speak your truth and your joy and your hope, life to each of us. Through Jesus Christ, our risen Lord and Savior, amen and amen. Hey, so this morning, I, as I was going downstairs to uh, get a cup of coffee, I, I smelled this kind of familiar stench. And uh, I knew exactly what it was, and I looked over. I've got this really pretty uh, ceramic kind of basket-looking fruit bowl, and in, in the middle of all these sweet, yummy nectarines, there were two Myers lemons that were, you know how they get, I don't know if it's mold or what, but you know how they get green and dusty? And two of them were like sticking together. And I threw them away, and then I, I, I did bring it today because... One of the things we've been encouraged on our mission trip as Vacation Bible School is that we have illustrations to, to talk about the gospel. So I'm actually not going to take this out of here because it's going to get all over my hands. But if you don't believe me, you can see it later. But, you know, the, you know, the picture was really of death in the midst of that which is life. And in this scripture, the Apostle Paul is talking about that there are two classes of people. And we don't like to talk about classes of people because we think of inequality and all, and that's not at all what he's talking about. Two classes of people, not three, but two classes of people. Those who live by the Spirit of God, those who have been bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we see in uh, Romans 8, 1, where it says, there is now no condemnation 
in Jesus Christ for those who are in Jesus Christ. And then there are those who are hostile to God and live according to the world, the, the flesh and the spirit. And so when we look at some of the, now that I've got to find my little uh, slide here, the, the flesh is people in their fallen sinful condition apart from God's grace. That is one of the class of people that the Scripture is talking about here. And the outcomes are a mindset on the things of the world, leads to death, ultimate death, hostile to God. Now, it's important to realize that this is not a person who wakes up in the morning and thinks, you know what, I don't like God. I don't like God. I'm going to do everything I can today to show hostility to God. Not at all. But rather one whose mind is permeated with the world and so loves the things of the world and loves the things of the world that are hostile to God. And the person then in the flesh cannot please God. But the person in the Spirit, and I want to tell you that this is the Holy Spirit, this is the third person of the Trinity, and in Western culture, we sometimes think of the Holy Spirit as a distant third uncle. You know, maybe he's going to show up at one of those reunions, but, you know, he's always acting kind of wild and crazy. But you know, it's interesting, in a lot of countries where the faith, where, where the gospel of Jesus Christ is going forward, trust me, the Holy Spirit is moving in power and people are submitting. And it says that those who are led by the Spirit have life and peace. I mean, come on. Is that not an easy choice? You want life and peace? Or do you want death and to be hostile toward? So there are two distinct classes of souls here. I want to tell you that there's not three. And sometimes in Christianity, we see three. We see the person who is apart from God, is not a believer, does not follow God. Then we see the second one as being an on-fire Christian, you know, where Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me. Somebody's willing to go anyway, give up everything, live totally obedient to Jesus Christ. And then a third one which has often been called a carnal Christian. Yeah, they believe in Jesus. Yeah, yeah I'm going I'm to go to heaven one day and then live according to the world. That's a life in the pits of hell because there's only two classes. Those that are not in Christ and those who have been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, within that... Within the, the, the class where we are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, I mean, we're all different kind of personalities and we're all in different places in our walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we don't all look alike. And I, I want to um, say that when we become a Christian, and, and uh, Pastor Tim, when he talks about Romans 8, 9, we'll talk more about who has the Holy Spirit. It's not like when you become a Christian, suddenly you're, you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you, ha- you become a mind-numb Stepford wife. And you never do anything wrong and you, you, know, you party a lot. No, not at all. I mean, the Scripture talks throughout about how it is a battle. You know, that, that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual darkness in this world. And in uh, Peter, it talks about the fact that the devil, our enemy, prowls around like a lion seeking to destroy our faith. So people, it's a battle. And so I want to talk today about how we can set our mind on the Spirit Set our mind on the things of the world, 
or set our mind on the Spirit? How do we do that? How do we set our mind on the Holy Spirit? First of all, it's an imperative in many places in Scripture, and we need to choose. It's a choice that we set our mind on the Holy Spirit. Now, th this idea of setting our mind carries with it the idea of choosing to build upon something only after clear inspection. Carries with it the idea to think, to give careful consideration to something, to set one's mind on with intent, to take up one's side, the side of God in this manner, espouse their cause, and in verse 6, the word is related to fixing one's mind on something. Fixing one's mind on something. How we live our lives as spirit-filled followers of Jesus Christ is directly related to what we fix our mind upon. John Ortberg, who's an eco-pastor, he says, you know, we meet people and we say, how you feeling? And really what we should be saying is, how you thinking? How are you thinking? Because our thought life is, our thought life is so important even to our feelings. Our feelings come and go, but our thought life. Colossians 3, 2 and 3, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And there's an old African spiritual based on Isaiah 26, 3 that says this, Oh, I'm a-walking and a-talking with my mind. Stayed on Jesus. And then the opposite we see in Philippians 3.19. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory is in their shame. Their minds are set on earthly things. And I know it just seems like you, people don't wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to set my eyes on evil things. We'll talk about that in a minute. Setting our mind is like marinating in something. I mean, you think about a piece of steak or chicken. Maybe some of you having a barbecue tonight. You are, you know, marinating it right now. And what you marinate in, and, you know, it, it picks it up. It picks up the flavors. Now, don't go home today and say, I want to tell you that our preacher told us, first of all, we were a moldy old lemon, and then we're also a piece of steak. But it's this, this, this idea of fixing our eyes is marinating, is focusing on thinking about it. So the first thing is to make a choice. We make a decision, and we make it each day. Joshua said, choose this day whom you will serve. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Jesus says, pick up your cross daily and follow me. It is a daily choice. And I want to tell you, it is a choice. I want to encourage you with this. I, if, if, you, if you don't know this passage, this to me is revolutionary. So I preached at the same church for almost every Sunday uh, for 18 years. And on my final sermon, I had three points. I said, if, if, if you for, forgot everything I ever said, there's three things. Please, just maybe you don't even believe it, but at least say, well, this is what Andrea talked about. And one of the most important is being a Berean. To be a Berean, that comes from Acts 17, 11. This is what the Apostle Paul says. The Bereans were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. And then he gives the reason why. They heard what the Apostle Paul said, the greatest theologian outside of Jesus. They heard what the Apostle Paul said. And then they took what he said and they filtered it through the Word of God to see if what he was saying was indeed true. To be a Berean. 
In fact, it's kind of a joke in our house. My son will say, Mom, are you being a Berean today? <laughs> you know, but to be a Berean, checking everything against the Word of God, filtering everything through the Word of God. Let me introduce you to Joe Hallett. Years ago at a church my husband and I served at, Bethany Presbyterian Church in Minnesota, right across from the university. We were there for four cold years. We met a man named Joe Hallett. And Joe Hallett's father would say over and over in one way or another three statements. You are no good. You don't amount to anything. And you are never going to amount to anything. And Joe spent a good part of his life filtering the world, filtering who he was, filtering who God the Father was through these three statements, thinking that he was unlovable, that he was nothing. And it wasn't until he came face to face with a living God who loved him so much that he died for him, that he gave his own life, the God who said, you are the apple of my eye, that Joe Hallett realized that his value was in Christ Jesus, that those words that his father said were lies, filtered through the truth. In Philippians 4, 8, it says this, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is pure and right, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think, set your mind on these things. Is it true that he was nothing? No, that was a lie from the pits of hell. Was it true that he would never amount to anything? No, lie from the pits of hell. And when filtered through God's word, he realized that there was a God who loved him. You know, the youth group are memorizing Philippians 2, verses 2 and 3. Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. I mean, we, we are meeting at this church Saturday at 3 a.m. Anybody want to call me at about 2 a.m.? I am begging people, okay? 3 a.m., we're going to get on a plane, we're going to fly across the country, then we, I think, have a 40-minute run to get onto the plane to Puerto Rico, then I think we have a two-hour drive. And this is exciting. I am on board. I'm excited. And then we are going to, um, you know, be at a church, and we are going to be teaching the Word of God, and we're going to be painting and cleaning. And, I mean, we need to filter our thoughts when we are tired and hot. And when, you know, I'm not quite the age of the average population in Puerto Rico, so I'm glad you pointed that out, Josh. But, I mean, getting off that floor in the morning is going to be, you know, on a a wing and a prayer. But, you know, we're going to need to filter when we're tired. When somebody has said something that offends us, we need to have the mind of Christ and, and filter it. And not even by our own power, but by submitting ourselves to this God. One of the subtle tricks of the enemy in trying to keep us from setting our mind on the things of the Spirit are distractions. They're distractions. Now, some of you are not going to be able to identify with the illustration I'm going to share with you. But way back, years and years ago, I mean, in the dark ages, there were only three television channels. 
Do you remember that? And don't even get me started on having to get up and walk across the room to change the channel. Gosh, what we went through. Do you remember what they were? ABC, NBC, CBS? Well, I did a search on Google how many channels there are today. And here's the funny thing is it wouldn't give me how many channels there are today, probably because you can't even count how many. But I did find that in 2017, there were 1,761. And then you've got YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, endless reels, emails, texts, endless news stories. A study shows that the average person picks up their iPhone 2,600 times a day. In 2000, a study was done that our average attention span was 12 seconds. Today, another study has been done, and the average attention span, 8 seconds. And you want to know what's tragic about that? A goldfish, their average attention span is nine seconds. We are one second less than a goldfish. Because, you know, we're just distracted. And, and, and even by good things. But, but so many distractions. And so we filter our world through what we read on the news. We filter our world on what we see on Instagram or on Reels. Instead of the Word of God. Now, I'm not saying you should totally stop social media. I'm not saying that at all. But begin with the Word of God. Prioritize that we first begin with the Word of God. I find it's a struggle, especially, just be honest, through the pandemic and without the normal rhythms in my life. You know, I'd love to get my cup of coffee and, you know, turn on, start reading news things. And then all of a sudden, time is gone and I've got to get ready for work. And then, you know what I'm thinking about? is how this world is going to H-E double toothpicks in a handbasket. You know, that's what I'm filtering everything through. Now, you know, obviously, I think we need to be up on world events. But, but did God get off his throne? Is God not sovereign? Does God not work everything out for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose? Yeah, see? So we have to filter everything. That person that bothers us. You know, the spouse, and maybe it's one and the same. <laughs> we filter behavior. We, we filter, you know, because this is not, as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, it is not just saying, this is what I believe. Here's my theology. I have good theology. And I think in eco, we have great theology. But theology is nothing if it's not lived out. So we filter our behavior. We filter how we treat people. You know, the Apostle Paul said in Romans uh, 7, 9, he said, you know, the things that, I'm paraphrasing this, the things I don't want to do, I find out I'm doing. And the things I should be doing, I don't do. Anybody else here? Anybody else? Walking with Jesus and then it begins here in the Word of God, filtering everything through the Word of God, every struggle. God's Word is a lamp unto our feet. It lights it up. It lights up our path. And, and it shows in this world where there's so many competing ideas and, 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 and some ideas can, can coexist and then, and then some cannot. Again, that we go to the Word of God. And the Word of God doesn't tell us everything. I mean, you know, it doesn't mention the dinosaurs in here. You know, it's not going to do. It's everything we need for faith and practice. A love letter from God telling us everything we need to follow Him to love one another, to be pleasing. Max Licato 
said this about how to live in God's presence. Give God your waking thoughts. Before you face the day, face the Father. Before you step out of bed, step into his holy presence. Give God your waiting thoughts. Spend time with him in silence. Give God your whispering thoughts. Imagine considering every moment as a potential time of communion with God. Give God your waning thoughts. At the end of the day, let your mind settle on him. Conclude the day as you begin it, talking with God. I put together something um, that you should have received in your bulletin, and um, you can always use this as a bookmark in the latest fiction or something, but it's nothing super fancy, but it's, it's just a morning prayer of submitting our life to the Lord, so we, we take, and whatever your devotions are in Scripture, go ahead and do this, but this is just a thought that we would stop and reflect on the fact that we would humble ourselves, you know, to, to God's truth and His Holy Spirit. And then there's something called an evening examine. Now, I actually did a, it's not spelled right because it's supposed to be E-X-A-M-E, and I'm, that's on me. I mean, it's my spell thing. But I like that it says evening examine because that's actually what it is. It's examining yourself. It's taking inventory. How, how did I live out my faith today? How, how did I treat people? When I saw somebody on the corner in need, how did I treat them? What, what went through my mind? When somebody disagreed with me at that board meeting, how, uh, when I had the chance to just, I just give that to you as a possibility. The church fathers over the years would do that. They would do it several times a day, but especially in the morning and the evening to see how they had lived out the truth of God's holy word. I want to close with a story. Thomas Schmidt in his book, Trying to Be Good, a book on doing for thinking people. He tells the story of working at a state-run convalescent home, and he said it was one of the worst places he had ever been in. He went in, and he began to uh, work and do his job, and he said he met this one woman, and she was in sorry shape. She had the white, milky eyes. She was close to being blind. She had a big old hearing aid on, and she could still barely hear. And he said that she had a, a growth of cancer on her face. And he felt led to go and to serve her and spend time with her. And over the weeks, as she began to share scripture and sing her little songs, he said he went from really feeling sorry for her to being in wonder. Her name was Mabel. And Mabel had been in this state-run hospital for 25 years, almost blind, deaf, and now with cancer. And yet he was at wonder at her faith. He tells about the fact that during one very hectic week of final exams, he was frustrated because his mind was just going everywhere. I mean, he couldn't concentrate. He was anxious. He was overwhelmed. And then he thought to himself, I wonder what Mabel's thinking about. What is Mabel thinking about day in and day out, laying in her bed or, or strapped to a wheelchair? What, what is she thinking about? And so he said, Mabel, what do you think about while you lay here? And she said, I think about Jesus. I sat there and I thought for a moment about the difficulty for me of thinking about Jesus for even five minutes. And I asked, what do you think about Jesus? And she replied slowly 
and deliberately, and he said he wrote it down. I think about how good he's been to me. He's been awfully good to me in my life. I'm one of those kind who's mostly satisfied. Lots of folks wouldn't care much of what I think. Lots of folks would think I'm kind of old-fashioned, but I don't care. I'd rather have Jesus. He's all the world to me. And then Mabel began to sing an old hymn. Jesus is all the world to me, my life, my joy, my all. He is my strength from day to day. Without him I would fall. When I'm sad, to him I go. No other one can cheer me so. When I am sad, he makes me glad. Jesus, he's my friend. He wondered how she could do it. And he said, the answer, I think, is that Mabel had something that often you and I don't have much of. She had power. Holy Spirit power. Lying there in bed, unable to move, unable to see, unable to hear, unable to talk to anyone, she had incredible power. The power of God's Holy Spirit, the truth, the life giver. There is a God, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, fully equal, fully God. We live in a world where we get message after message, a lot of them good, a lot of them just so-so, a lot of them absolutely wrong. May we begin our day. May we choose to be a Berean. May we filter all that goes into our mind and our heart, what we think about money, what we think about people, what we think of everything. May we filter it through God's Word. Filtering it means God's will be done, not mine. Filtering means says, oh, I'm wrong, and boom, 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 boom. Thy will be done. Tim Keller says this, the gospel says you are more sinful and flawed than you ever dared believe, but more accepted and loved than you ever dared hope. We know that from the scripture. We are the apple of his eye. We are beloved. May we marinate in the truth of God's love for us. Would you bow in a word of prayer? God, thank you. I, I acknowledge that, gosh, so often I filter everything through what I've read or seen somebody do or how somebody's treated me. God, we just lay that before you. And Lord, it's hard in the morning when we get up, and, um, and I pray that you would nudge us. You as the Holy Spirit, our gentleman, you are not going to force us but would you nudge us to open the Word of God and to preach the truth to our hearts, helping us to walk in your way, to set our mind on the Spirit, which is life. And in this crazy world, it is peace. It is shalom. May it be. Amen and amen.